Welcome to Conspiracy of Light, a podcast in which we geek out about Babylon 5. I'm your host, my name is Woody Harris, and I am joined by the incomparable Josue Cardona. Hey, Woody. Hey, Josue. <laughs> I'm excited. I am too. <laughs> actually, okay, to be fair, I wasn't excited before I got to, 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 to the point of actually running the podcast, but I'm excited, yeah. I'm excited to talk about, uh, by any means necessary, the 12th episode of the first season of Babylon 5. Quite an ominous title. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it actually kind of dovetails with things in my life right now a little bit. So it's it's got one of those moments where it's like, yes, I totally understand what these people are going through. Uh, same here. Same here. <laughs> I'm sure that for completely different reasons, but I was thinking it's, I don't know how it's going to play when uh, people listen to this, <laughs> right. but as we're recording it, it is fascinating uh, the context in which we're watching these episodes. Not just that it's 25 years later, but you know what we're going through in our lives. Right. Yeah. And and so I, I'm sure that you're alluding to uh, strikes and unhappy workers and unhappy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Puerto Rico's had a little bit of that lately. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whenever in the future someone listens to this, I live in Puerto Rico <laughs> and we just had the largest protests in the island's history. And... I had a friend who works in Rhode Island and she was like making jokes about like, oh, was that the, like I saw pictures, was that like the entire population of the island? I was like, depending on the estimates, it was anywhere from half to the entire population of Rhode Island <laughs> that was that was at this protest, to put it in, in context for her. It was a lot of people. Wow. Um, and, and a lot of those, you know, th- those scenes of, police and SWAT gear and people in the front lines and violence and all those, all those things Um, that Mm -hmm. didn't get a lot of coverage here because there wasn't too much of it. It was literally concentrated in very narrow streets. So like usually the front line was only 30 feet wide in a very narrow street with, um, with literally like a, a, an like a wall of SWAT officers and then people just stretching out for, you know, farther than you could see. <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of the footage and uh, I also, so this is compl- a little bit sidebar of what we're talking about, but I also, uh, I heard an NPR uh, discussion where they were talking about the way in which some of this protest actually happened. It wasn't all just protest that was just people on the street trying to get attention. There was maybe an hour a night, at least in some areas, where people would bang pots and pans. Yeah, yeah. And, and that listening to that, so obviously I'm a big fan of music, I'm a big fan of percussion, and all I could think of was how percussionary it was, how how meaningful this, this beat was, and how powerful this beat was. Um, yeah. It was and it was like a call and response. So like you'd hear a neighbor do it, and then people would keep going, and then another person would go, and then it would just, you know, everywhere people were doing that at eight. Yeah, o'clock that's kind of incredible. Yeah. Were you part of that? 
So I missed most of it. I was actually I was actually not in Puerto Rico uh, for okay. most of it. Um, okay. So I was only there one night when I heard some of it, but most of the the commotion had died down. Although, again, when we're recording this, we're right in the middle of it. We're like in the scene in this episode when Garibald, uh, when Sinclair said, "Let's take a break and reconvene in the morning." That's right, where we are right, right now. That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. But I, I understand they got what they wanted, so um, sort of seems that the protest kinda. meant something. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. I mean, they were successful. They were, they were, I mean, basically nonviolent in the sense that you know mm-hmm. nobody died, no one was really hurt. Um, there was like tear gas and things like that. But, but yeah, but people, people fought, you know. And it was, it wasn't a strike, but it was, it was a huge protest, and it was people fighting for their rights and people just sick and tired of like that's the part that I I relate to, you know. You're, you're taken to a breaking point. When this episode starts, those workers, you know, you see the stress. You see yeah. that they're overworked. You see that everything is, you know, there's traffic outside. There, it's like there's so much commotion, right? There, people yeah. are just trying to make it work. And it's a, it's a horrible environment to, to be in. It's a horrible situation to feel like everything is at the brink of being out of your control and it's too much to handle and it's, it felt overwhelming yeah. and I understand getting to that point. It's like, you know what? Something happened and it was, it was just too much. That was, that was what put us over the edge. The, the straw that broke the camel's back, like whatever analogy you want to use that yeah. moment happens. And when it happens, you, you don't know what's going to happen afterward. And you don't know the response, and you don't know how you're gonna respond. In this case, like the the guy that punched Garibaldi later, like it was his brother that died. You know, right? Like, right. He didn't think that that's how his day was gonna end, and so yeah, <laughs> take people to the breaking point, and uh, things happen. Yeah, and you know it's incredible because I'm watching this. Uh, I've seen this video, this movie before, this this TV show before. I've seen this episode, and. I'm I'm really struck by the very uh, what am I trying to say? I'm struck by the difference between C and C and the dock workers. You know, down here in the dock, we're getting below decks. We're getting to see the the operations of the ship in a way that we haven't seen it before, really. And C and C looks like this sheen over the top of that chaos that mitigates that chaos into we've got a problem, we need help. And, and it, it's a, it's just a striking difference between these blue-collar workers and military workers for, like, I mean, that's what Ivanova is. She's military. So, But it's just a striking difference. You have this incredible control, and then you have this kind of controlled chaos thing going on. And it just hit me, you know, that, that we kind of cover over things with our... Well, we miss things with our cameras. We, we, you know, we try to to mitigate what we see in whatever way we need to in order to understand it and accept it. You know, there's a new Star Trek series coming out called Below Decks. Yes. And it's all about the people who work below decks. And this, it's actually an animated cartoon series, but it, or I mean, an animated comedy series. 
Yeah. It could have been like a tragic drama, <laughs> you know. It could it very easily, yeah. <laughs> it could be a horror story, you know. It's it, it could be like this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So workers, you know, th- this is kind of a this is sort of a union kind of episode in which we're kind of seeing, you know, the plight of the worker and we don't always see that, especially not in these uh, these space operas that we watch. We don't always see the behind-the-scenes kind of things that make this amazing machine run. And we get to see ships stack up like crazy amounts, like lines incredibly long because these workers are uh, basically all calling in sick, refusing to do their job uh, because their equipment's subpar and because they're not getting the pay that they deserve and they're not even getting the time off that they deserve you know it's it's a workers rights kind of situation that that does kind of compare to things going on in our lives you know so we brought up the Puerto Rican uh protest that was going on um it connects to my life in the sense that I it's easy to feel what it's like to be under the heel of people who want something done when you feel like you don't have the means necessary to do it. Yeah. yeah. I felt like that a lot this week, actually. <laughs> For completely different reasons, because I'm, I'm not in a blue-collar job, although sometimes I kind of wish I was, because at least with a blue-collar job, you can see the impact you have. Um, but yeah, so we have the pressure building, and it it's just a, a crazy moment. And you've had a bad week. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, there, there's a lot about this that is not new. I don't think it's relevant just to today. I think it's relevant to forever. There's always a class yeah. that is the one that is working the hardest to make things happen, and they get treated the worst. And, you know, yeah, we see two layers, right, in this case. There are in, in the real world, there's there's multiple layers, you know, but you can you can narrow it down to there is a line, right? That once you cross mm-hmm. it, it's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not back there because not only are you underpaid, overworked, treated like shit, your work isn't valued. You're, you know, in this case, the the workers were so replaceable that when the Rush Act happened, they told them like, hey, new workers are already on ships ready to go. Yeah, you know, and that I don't know that's that's terrible you know like I was telling someone the other day that I I feel very uncomfortable going to a restaurant or even a fast food place where mm-hmm. I can see the kitchen really yeah because very rarely <laughs> have I been to a food establishment where I look at the people cooking and they look happy or they don't look overworked like every time I look into a kitchen I see like that scene in this episode, right? Those people are rushing. They're doing five things at the same time. People are yelling orders. They're trying to come back. They're sweaty. You know, they, they, they're asking for a break. There's, you know, and people are fighting. Like it's not, it's not a, uh, like there, there have been times when I, I just like, I don't want to, I don't want to eat. I don't want to do it because then, Mm. and now the, the saddest part of all that is that I forget because I come back, 
or I do it again and I go to another place, right? It doesn't affect right. me to the point where I never come back. And I don't know, I haven't I haven't been in a situation like that in a in a long time where I felt replaceable and like worthless as a as an employee and underpaid and overworked. But the majority of people feel that way, even in positions that aren't blue collar, right? Right. I mean, right. You're a therapist, and uh, when when I just started out as a therapist, I remember working in a place where everybody's um, hours were double booked on purpose, and so if because you actually, they're they're basically trying to make sure that any cancellation mm-hmm. will be filled. Yes, but if you didn't, if they didn't cancel, you were supposed to do both. And just charge thirty, and just do thirty minutes, right? With each, oh, so like, okay. like, on paper, right? That sounds that sounds real easy. It makes sense. It's like, oh, it's an yeah. hour. Either way, you're helping yeah. more people, but it doesn't yeah. consider all the other work that goes into that, and the effect that it has on you to do that job. Period. <laughs> Let alone do it, you know, with two completely different people in an hour. Like, you know, it's it's like the decision is made at one level and it affects people at another level and with, with very little consideration. And I think, I think all, um, you know, all industries are, are victims of this and, but some are better compensated than others. You know, like it's hard for me to feel bad for, you know, certain industries over others, right? It's like, well, yeah, you're going through a similar thing, but you're also getting paid $200,000 a year. This person is getting paid twenty thousand dollars a year, right? So the, their level of comfort is higher when you, when you have two hundred thousand dollars a year, so that when you do leave that grueling job, you can at least kind of reap the benefits of it. Whereas a twenty thousand dollar a year job just isn't cutting it. Yeah, yeah. It's like th- your concerns are different. <laughs> yes. Oh, I have to pay the rent on my penthouse. Fuck your penthouse. (laughs) 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 Sounds like a problem uh, that is not comparable. Anyway, this this whole this whole uh, topic bothers me a lot. This may be a very somber episode. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking that. Well, I mean, it it doesn't help that I'm coming in with my own kind of current issues, but uh, by any means necessary. (laughs) Well, and let's think about what that what that actually means in the show. In the show, it means that it can be done by any means necessary. It doesn't have to be a negative response. That is the beauty of this episode. I exactly. almost cried at the end. You know, it was right. it was it was like there was this catharsis at the end that even though it was so horrible, there was this ideal version that actually played out, and it was peaceful, and everybody got what they wanted. And the and we stuck it to the bad guy, and it was it was just so great and something that you don't see often, something that can happen, and something that in a way I'm living through right now, where the protests and things that happened in Puerto Rico were seem miraculous to an extent. Yeah, and it's like wait, wait, wait. When you compare that to overthrowing, you know, officials in other countries, it doesn't take twelve days to do that, and often you don't get the results that you wanted. You know, it's like, how is that possible? How did that happen? But it did, and it feels really good. And that happens in this episode. You have sort of a happy ending. I can get into that. We can get into that later about how it's not really a happy ending. 
yeah, at okay. all because I was their situations if you were haven't go changed. That way. Yeah, their situations haven't changed at all. <laughs> Everybody's in the same shitty situation, just their equipment is a little better. But, but what they were asking for at that moment, the thing that just went a little too far, right? That that analogy of the or the metaphor of the of the boiling frog or mm-hmm, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. They're just okay. We oh, I'm sorry. We we raised the heat a little bit too much on that. Let's lower it back down. Now we're good. Now everybody's still yeah. cooking. Yeah, but they're not I can see bothered that. by it. Yeah. Well, the workers felt like they got something. Yeah. Their yeah. their voice their their uh, their mouthpiece felt like she got what she wanted out of the situation, and of course, pretty much everybody got what they wanted out of the situation except for some set of random bureaucrats back home who have decided that uh, now Jeff is an enemy. Yeah. And so I think everybody gained something except for Jeff, actually. I think Jeff put us, like, he's going to be the sacrificial lamb of this moment because he's now on the chopping block. You know, like Senator Hidoshi basically said, you know, I love what you did. But you're you're in some deep shit right now, and well, he, he did win public opinion, which is what Hiroshi said. Right? Yeah, and that we're siding with you because basically the public is on your side. I right. think that counts for something. It, it does. You could argue that the people in power are not on his side, so he's so he's screwed because the public, in a way, doesn't matter. Right? You could you could make that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think but I think it does matter. And especially on the ship, this is, uh, I forgot to look this up because I, I didn't have the time. Maybe you know, but they mentioned a thousand workers, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. So how many, how much of the population of Babylon 5 is that? Like how big is Babylon 5? So, and how well, that's much. That's a really good question. Yeah. Like how many people now are, have your back? How many people support you? That's true. Yeah. What percentage of, of people on Babylon 5 are workers? That's not really answered. I would imagine, you know, because it's mostly people coming and going. The reason that somebody is at Babylon 5 is because they are a worker of some sort, or they're a diplomat, or they're a military. That that would seem like it. You might have a few wanderers, hustlers, you know, entrepreneurs, as he, as he says in the opening. But a lot of it, it's going to be... I mean, it's it's Disney infrastructure. Think about it that way, because the people live near Disney because they work at Disney, and so well, technically, it's a military come, base. He called it a military base. It is. It so, is, but yeah. it's also seen as something completely different. Hidoshi calls it a, a military base, and we see the military side of it on a regular basis. But there's also a civilian part of it that's very present and not really. It's not really under military law, so to speak. Um, it's just kind of got its own governing body, which is, uh, you know, the the advisory council. So it it kind of straddles the line between government and civilian. Um, it's mostly civilian population, I think. I don't think that the military is that is an overwhelming presence on there. They're just the presence with power. According to Wikipedia, there are two hundred and fifty thousand people. On Babylon Five, okay, so a thousand are workers or dock workers. Now that mm-hmm. that's just dock, though. Yeah. Yep. Just think the about dock the plumbers, workers. the electricians, the 
but they weren't involved in this. No, that's that. true. Like he but said, all the other guilds, seeing... all the other workers' guilds, you know, are, are you know, like uh, staying, you know, are what's the what's the phrase like in line? Like their behavior, you know, like they're they're yeah. following orders. They're following just, orders. They're doing what they have to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there is that. So it's one thousand out of two hundred fifty thousand. Yep, it's a low percent, but yeah. still, I think <laughs> I it's still I think you know you're right. Sinclair's play to back them to show that they're they have their own power and to show that they deserve treatment that is respectful probably speaks to a lot all the blue collar workers on the station. Meanwhile, maybe the alien governments have no idea what's going on because they're busy with their own stuff, but at least in terms of of Earth residents, I think the reason popular opinion is there is because Jeff did something rather miraculous in that he found the fine print that gave him the ability to do what he needed to do to make the situation peaceful. Yeah. Instead of the barrage that it was about to become. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I read a long time ago, and it wasn't a long time ago. It was just a little bit after the the current change in in administration, back when I was thinking, you know, we need to relocate to Canada, um, that... I I, st- I started reading about protests. I started reading, uh, I can't remember the book that I read, but it's just a little thin book. It's a treatise on protesting. And uh, I remember, I don't know if he used the term by any means necessary, but it, there was a spot in the book where he talked about the idea that you had to identify that there was a cause that was greater than you, and if you gave yourself over to that, you had to just have faith that nothing bad would happen to you but that if it did, you still were doing what you needed to do and to make peace with that before you go into protest. Yeah. Uh, that that statement kind of blew me away because I, I wasn't really expecting, I was hoping that I was going to find some kind of antidote to dying for a cause, which, you know, that, that, that seems like a, a lot of what protest ends up doing. You have to sort of divorce yourself from reality and say, I, I am now a pawn of this cause. But he was suggesting that, yep, sometimes you're just going to have to accept that death is the only way to get the response you want. And that just, that floored me. Because I was, in my mind, I was at the time seeing this really dark future. And I I, I still see that dark future on the horizon if we're not careful. Uh, But I was seeing a dark future in which I felt like I'm going to have to stand in these protest situations. I'm going to have to make sure that I am one of the bodies that are between... Uh, what I believe in and what somebody else wants to do. That's a hell of a thing to have to to swallow and think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally I'm expecting Friday to be one of those days. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you see things happening. You see them boiling over, right? Like, And, and <clears throat> again, here it's... It would be a second wave, right? But as mm-hmm. it was happening the first time, like just within the last weeks, it, it kept building and building and building, and yeah, it's a it's a strange feeling, right? So, for example, I live like five minutes, maybe three minutes away from the capital where all of these things were happening. If you could drive there, okay. walking would be a little more. But I'm very close. Imagine okay. you live in you live in in Georgia, imagine that protests in D.C. started 
and that a group like kept growing and growing and growing and growing, right? Like at how mm-hmm. far from your house does it have to get before you, like you, you not only feel like you have to, but you also want to. You yeah. Know? You want to be part of the, the change. Yeah. But I think, I think there's a, there's a moment when it seems to, you know, I heard somebody the other day talk about the Illuminati. <laughs> Someone <laughs> said the Illuminati. And he, his answer was, you know, I think that people who believe in the Illuminati are just people who believe that things are out of their control. And so they're always looking for something else, somebody else who is actually in control. And if they can't yeah. find one, they make it up. You can, you, can, you can apply that to a whole bunch of different things. Sure, and yeah. <clears throat> and I think that that change has to happen. Like, at what point do you think it's worthless? Um, or, like, it, there's no value in you participating in the protest? And when does that switch happen to when you think one more person will make a difference? Like, if I go, it matters. And I think that yeah. if you don't believe that it matters, I don't, I don't know, do, do people go to protest thinking that they don't matter? They're just going for a good time? Yeah, yeah. Or they just want to be part of the part of the group that's that's on the outs or that that's in. I'm sure engaged. all of those things happen. Yeah, I'm sure all of those things happen, but also, like, forget dying for the cause, right? <laughs> just right. living for the cause, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> first would come first. It's going to get to a point where you think, "Wow, like th- things are are bad there. I'm going to do something more." I don't. Know. I mean, you could you can take this all the way to you know, terrorists, right? I mean, it is, mm-hmm. it's like they believe in a cause to a point that not only, that that you're willing to do things, right? You're willing to hurt other people. You're willing to plant a bomb. You're willing to kill yourself. You're willing to be arrested. You're willing to like, you know, get to a point. I think, I think there's a large spectrum of belief, <laughs> right? Yeah. Of seeing the situation of your perspective changing slowly to the point where, like imagine f- believing that you alone could make a difference, and some people do, and they and they do things that are yeah. extreme, and but sometimes we feel like, well, if I join the group, right? Maybe as a group we can make a difference, and okay, well, if I join, I can make the group larger. That will make a difference. I think that accepting the possibility of of death, of being of hurt, I don't know. I think that a lot of people, I think it's a very small percentage of people who protest and strike and do things like that. But I think those people in the front lines must know that that's a possibility and it's kind of accepted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you, if you've got the, the gumption, the the sense of gut feeling that you've got to have to be on those front lines, you're, you've got to be ready for that. Yeah. Most people don't, most people don't. And I know that because most people don't protest. Most things don't change. In most, around the world, right, <laughs> there's, there aren't constant um, revolutions or assassination attempts or all the other things, right, by any means necessary, right? Most people aren't right. doing that thing. How do you get to that point? I don't know. How do you get to the point of wanting to do something, I'm I'm living it right now. Yeah. So think about 
you know, in order to make change happen, and that's kind of what we're talking about, a lot of people that are that are going to protest, and, and sometimes it works. So I'm not I'm not I'm not saying anything negative towards protest because I think it's a, a, a fantastic way to express your need and and stand and be counted. But people in protest are looking for immediate change by any means necessary. You know, they're looking for I want it and I want it now. I want to see this change. And I don't think it's by any means necessary. Well, okay. You know, I think I think it's by means of protest or by means of Sure, yeah. Or, or you're willing to risk certain things. Like I'm willing to risk uh a few paychecks or I'm willing to risk my job or I'm willing to risk possibly, you know, at at some point in my life depending on the cause. You know, there's a big difference between a worker strike and like the American Revolution, right? There's Sure. Yeah. You know, and maybe using the word by, by any means necessary wasn't wasn't the right uh, phrase at that point. But I mean, you're, you've got to you've got to have this notion that your your presence, your voice in this grouping is going to make a difference. But getting us to change as a people, it seems like it's really challenging to me because I'm looking at the 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 amazing infrastructure we created at this point. Um, you know, as we're recording this last night, we had the first of two rounds of democratic debates, and all those people want to make sweeping changes. Mm-hmm. And it, well, there's a few people in there who want to find some way to make minimal changes, yeah, so that we yeah. can, so that we can somehow stretch other people to a center point, so that maybe later on we can stretch them farther along to a more progressive agenda. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking. You know, you think about climate change and you think about all the different things that we're going through right now. How hard is it to get people to move? It usually takes a really strong catalyst. Like even glaciers melting is not a strong enough catalyst for most of the people in the world. Because they're melting too slowly. They're melting too slowly. And if they melted fast, we'd be screwed already. A lot of people would. I mean, a two-degree yeah. change in temperature, that seems like nothing to most people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, and I, I mean this in all seriousness. I think it's too slow, right? I think, I think that's going to be our downfall. <laughs> I yeah. I, I, so I'm, now we I'm almost need people who are going to, to tip the balance in the negative direction in order to get people to wake up. Well, like, you know, like, like coastal <laughs> cities need to start disappearing. Important coastal cities need to start disappearing for people to care. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's like if Florida disappears, I don't know how many people. I are mean, the moment get, they have to motivated. pack up Disney World and move it to some other place, that's when we need to start being saying, if, <laughs> "Enough's enough." If Disney were in Miami, we'd be having a completely different conversation. But since it's up in Orlando, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. If Disney, if Disney World were in Miami, the last. Uh, 10 Marvel movies would have been about climate change. <laughs> Just to wake people the fuck up. <laughs> That's true. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I think it's I think it's too slow. I think that's just just look at history. That's just the way it happens. And like you said, there's that catalyst. Again, here in Puerto Rico, there were there was a lot of stuff building up. And honestly, in my opinion, I think I think Trump is a part of that. I think yeah. Trump um, makes people in Puerto Rico feel impotent, 
right? And I like we can't even we couldn't even vote against him in an election because people in Puerto Rico can't vote um, in right. the presidential election. So it's like all these things pile up. Then you have Hurricane Maria, right? And it's just horrible. And they're just things on the island like. The economy has been horrible. The government is bankrupt. There's like all this stuff is just piling up. And then what put it over the edge? The governor was just talking shit about people, making jokes, making fun mm-hmm. of celebrities. <laughs> I saw this video that showed um, that that uh, was talking about how Ricky Martin was literally mentioned in the in the text in the text messages, and then Ricky Martin was on the front lines. Protesting. Yes, he was. That's right. You know? It's like, could you imagine, like, every time you called out a celebrity online, that they showed up to your house? <laughs> like, it was, it was something that he put, like you. It was a slap in the face. You know, yeah. you can you can push people slowly, but you can't just slap them in the face. And 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 that was the catalyst, right? Like, what is gonna what gets people to move? And again, I think that that changes. You know, I think. That I mean, it's different for different people, and it changes over time. It's like okay, that was the first catalyst that got a whole bunch of people to move. What made it? What made the second group of people pile on? And what made it so that you know five hundred thousand people flooded the streets? How do you how do you get to that? And what was it for each of those people? Yeah, it's all about finding the tipping point and and determining mm-hmm. where yeah. that tipping point is. How do we get that to happen? Yeah. Well, in the episode, yeah. it it worked out well. So, uh, that's great. So, so it's funny because I mean there was a like Sinclair was the savior here, right? Yes. He was he absolutely I mean like there was violence. Like it's funny that they're like, "Oh, the incident with Garibaldi." Uh after that every, like the cops and the or not the cops, they were they were, you know, Earth Force and the workers were all yeah. like they were in a in a what do you call that? It was like I mean a they brawl? were all fighting. Yeah, it was a brawl, yeah. right? It was a huge brawl. A, like, a uh, riot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like more than right like they were they were two groups were going at each other. They were pushing they're pushing each other, they were hitting each other. It got very violent. And this one person came in and with a very slick uh <laughs> move, which again, I I love it. I think it was amazing. But for example, here in Puerto Rico, there's no <laughs> there's there was nobody directing the protests. There's right. literally no leader. That's right. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah, which is so strange. Like how, like again, this whole thing has been very strange to live through, because there have been organizations that are that want to either send something or talk to the leader, but there's just there's no leader. There's no, <laughs> there was no one to negotiate with. There was no one person who could go and speak to the governor and try to work out a deal. There was no no leader. And every day when you go to the protest, there's different people in the front lines, leading. And like I don't know why I don't I don't know where I was going with that, <laughs> but in well, this, it, it, it happened spontaneously. It seems like it was the the tipping point was hit without having to have a charismatic figure, which we're yeah. so used to charismatic figures being the ones who direct something, and this exactly. is just an uprising of the people. Exactly, exactly. I don't know yeah, that the Revolutionary War had much of a charismatic figure. We we just wanted to keep our independence and. I mean, yeah. maybe you could say that Washington or somebody in, in government. In, or certain in the, people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, certain people might have had something to do with it, but everybody's picking up, you know, and, and fighting for their right to, to be here in this country at that point. Yeah, yeah. And so in this episode, the camera literally has 
the 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 representative from of the workers, Sinclair, and the negotiator, like three different parties. It's focused yeah. on them. It all it, it, it all comes down to this. <laughs> and yeah. that's you know, that's narratively that's that's the best way to do it. <laughs> I get it. It's an incredibly tense moment and it could yeah. have been that they just let the, the riot happen. You know, and a lot of times we're so used to the idea that a riot is an unstructured, um, a you know, just kind of a rage against the machine kind of moment. But in, in in the lead worker, who I'm I'm apologizing now that I can't remember his name, but he was the the head worker for the dock workers. Mm-hmm. Seemed like he was uh, a person of some power. He was the one who had his was it bro- his brother. His brother died, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did not at any point just really lose his cool and give in to to mob mentality. He was always willing to listen to something, and we don't always get to see that narrative play out because most of the time, at least from a media standpoint, we want to see the mob as uncontrollable, groupthink without any real consciousness. Um, And here we have someone who's showing something that where he's willing to listen to things even in the midst of all of this terrible situation. It never broke down to a point of non non cognitive reaction, you know. Uh, are you are you including when he punched Garibaldi in the face? Well, he was ready to do the violent thing, but he gotcha. still stepped back from it. Gotcha. So it gotcha. it was a conscious choice to punch Garibaldi in the face. I see what you mean. He. A lot of times we 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 frame a mob as as without as a mindless force. And I don't. I didn't see that in those workers. I saw a preparation for a crazy, violent moment, but nobody really. I don't know. Maybe people were listening to him, the the leader. Uh, uh, you know, we're gonna do what you say, kind of thing. But he never seemed mindless in his approach to things. Yeah. Including yeah. hitting Garibaldi in the face, which was just basically they were all ready for a fight. Yeah. Which here was the messed up thing about this, just for a moment. If I'm a worker, the best thing I can do if I'm in protest is not to fight them, but to just go completely limp. Yeah. Yeah. To not engage in the violence that's going to destroy people. Um, so I've thought a lot about that. And I'm, I wonder... T- listen, there. I'm sure there... I, I know there are... Many, many books, <laughs> many studies about this <laughs> from well-informed people who have actually studied this. So yes. this is all coming from, again, we're reacting to an episode of Babylon 5. And, like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. We don't really know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> we, we don't. But I've, I've been thinking about that particular thing recently. And I've, I wonder what is the psychological effect of going limp if, that it, if that's not – if that doesn't feel like – standing by and just watching you know or or like watching on tv is like doing yeah. nothing right it almost feels like omission you know like an act of omission it's like i'm not going to engage i'm going to go limp. even if even if because i mean then you get dragged away right like how how long can you stay that way and not move 
Because at that point, they're just going to drag you away. How long could you actually do that? Like mentally, emotionally. Yeah. How long could you tolerate that? I don't think I I could. I think my thought was more that if you just go to jail, if everybody just went to jail, Uh, then they'd have no workers and we'd still be in a mess. These workers that are coming from Earth aren't going to get there anytime soon. uh, They were probably going to get there. They were going to get there soon enough for everybody to lose their jobs. Probably. Like, Like the Rush Act seemed like a very thought out plan. It's a it's something yeah. that was put into place exactly for this situation. Yeah. Right? Because this is something that didn't happen for the first time on Babylon 5, something that's been happening for hundreds of years. Right. For thousands of years. <laughs> right? You have your 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 working class is is going to revolt. There are um, things in place. There are consequences for that, but also contingencies. And I don't know. I get the impression that things aren't going well on Earth. There's a lot of people looking for work. That's probably true, yeah. Yeah. So they were able to get 1,000 workers within a couple hours, you know, ready to go. I don't know if that's not, though, just hyperbole or just like a way to make these people feel like they're pointless and useless. So right now, Amazon, for example, right? Okay. um, There's a lot of talk about like, oh, you know, they treat them so badly. Um but people keep doing it because there's a whole bunch of people who want to work there because you could work at worse places and get paid less money. So you are incredibly replaceable. I believe that Amazon at, um, at their warehouses, they employ on a, like on an ongoing basis. Like if you show up today, you could, you could start working within a day or two, probably because there's also a lot of turnover, but mostly because like, you know, I mean, they're always looking for people. They always need yeah. people because there's always turnover, but someone is always willing to be there. And I'm assuming a lot of people say, you know what? I've had enough. I'm not doing this. It's fine. There's eight people in line behind you. And yeah. so when you, when the economy is that way, when the workforce is that way, you can get away with treating people like shit. And that's oh, infuriating. <laughs> but I think, I don't think it was hyperbole. I think that they were absolutely... Um, ready to do that you know i mean i don't know if you watched the expanse have you watched the expanse i've, I've watched um I'm, I'm working on finishing season two right now okay so did you so you or no I'm, I'm working on finishing season three i'm sorry season three okay so remember the episode where they go to earth and um the marine what's her name uh, uh if you hadn't asked me i would have known well the marine she goes to earth yes. and she's she like runs away and she's walking through the streets and yes. you see all the homeless people and there's this one yeah. guy that says like, oh yeah, I'm a doctor. There just aren't enough jobs for doctors so I've been waiting, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years for a doctor slot to open. It's like, yeah, okay. at some point when you have so many people, right? I mean, that's one scenario, right? Where yeah. where there's just so many people uh, and, and not enough work, what happens? I mean, a lot of people live through that right now. Yeah, the, the the unemployment is down. It's because we have got tons of shitty jobs. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. You what know, a happy I, episode. When, <laughs> when I started doing this thing, I never thought that we'd get so close to current politics, but it, it's constantly on our face in this show. I know. Whew. It's crazy. And, and it's probably just because here we sit in this mess that we're in, and everything looks like a mirror, but this is a pretty good mirror for us right here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, we're we're connecting a worker strike, which I can't remember a huge worker strike in a long time. Like, I don't it's know. It's been uh, a long time, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, like people talk about Reagan and the um, the air traffic controller strike. Yeah. Right? That was the big one, right? Didn't he yeah. literally fire everybody? You know, you've got more memory on this than I do. Well, this is, I read it somewhere because I was too little when this happened. <laughs> okay. Right? But I believe that the air traffic controllers, government employees, which is very similar to this situation, mm-hmm. right? Which, again, this is 25 years ago when this series came out. Those events were much fresher in, in the That's minds true. of everyone. That's right? true. So these are government employees. Uh, you, they go on strike and Reagan just fired everybody. My understanding being that he replaced them all. Okay. And that that was it, right? There was uh I don't remember what happened after. I don't I don't know the specifics. Again, <laughs> I don't remember uh details. I definitely wasn't old enough uh to, to like have to remember it as it happened. But it was uh there there's there's examples of that, you know? And yeah. I think I think unions are really important because you can avoid uh, getting treated like shit. You can negotiate some sort of something, you know, uh, some sort of dignity for your for your work, uh, which is which is why I don't understand, you know, anti-union sentiments because it's just a whole bunch of people coming together so that they're not treated like garbage to protect their own, you know, like everybody's protecting their own interests. I get it. The company is and the employees want to too, but like... Because they're on they're on that bottom rung, there's there's just nothing. They're on a lower level, right? And the people there's yeah. someone above you who is making who who makes the decisions, and I mean that sucks in general. It it sucks to feel like other people are in control of your life, of your livelihood, and for most of us, that's exactly what, what what's happening all the time. And yeah. unions can help control that and in this case right like yeah i i don't like that it went um especially with what i'm living through right now where literally mm-hmm. some of the protests just turned into parties like there were literally people were so organized they were organized for any reason i saw a post that was like geeks unite let's get together and go to the to the protest and like play board games play video games play uh <laughs> you know like play pokemon go it's like oh shit you're right we can be there and 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 join our our fellow our, our fellow protesters and still be us and do something right. The idea yeah. is to show up, and yeah. it's not to burn down cars and graffiti and and be violent. It's to manifest. And how can we show ourselves? How can we show that we're in great numbers? And that was incredible. There were parties, you know. There was like a salsa night and like a reggaeton night, and there were there were poetry readings, and and it just happened everywhere. It was it was. I mean, honestly, like. The closest thing I've ever felt a pride <laughs> for, yeah. for, of of for um of, of where I was born uh it has been now because this has been incredible. This yeah. is gonna stick with me for a moment, um, but it it uh it's it's sticking with me right now. Like I, I've I've referenced this particular scene several times in the past week. Um I was watching The Fifth Element. I'm I'm sure you've seen this movie, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a moment that the the head bad guy is sitting at his desk and he's explaining his purpose in the world and he pushes a cup off of his desk 
And as soon as he does, the cup falls to the floor, it breaks into a million pieces, and all these little robots come out and start sweeping it up, start moving around, start. <laughs> and he starts using this as a metaphor for his role in the world is to create chaos so that things come together and work towards something. <laughs> and so something like this that's going on in Puerto Rico where you've kind of woken everybody up at one moment and said, hey, go and be present and be there would not have happened without this catalyst of uh, someone basically being a bully who's in a government office. Yeah. Which God knows we have a lot of that going around. Mm-hmm. But so it just kind of it almost reinforces that notion that a chaos bringer causes order. Messed up, messed up metaphor, but it's been sticking with me a lot lately. I I mean I I do think about um like these events as being unifiers, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we'll have to see how it plays out, right? The, um, in the United States, but I've. Like the president is a unifier. Unfortunately, he's a unifier on both on both fronts, right? He is at yeah. two extremes. So it's it's not like a tide boiling. You know, the 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 scales seem to be too balanced, right? Yeah. Um, I keep thinking that they're gonna tip to the side where I'm on. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's the optimist in me. My mom uh-huh. is the total opposite, right? She's very pessimistic about all of this. But when yeah. these protests in Puerto Rico started, I told her, Mom, I think this is actually going to happen. I've never seen this kind of organization and motivation and just anger and, and reaction. I think this is going, I think this may actually happen. She's, this is never going to happen. And <laughs> and and when when she told me, I was like, damn, she was like, she she was right about Trump winning. She's always pessimistic. I wonder, like, what does she see that I don't see? And and this time it, it worked. And I don't know. I think I think that in twenty twenty things will be different in the United States. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know how possible that is. Um, but my my point being that here again in, in Puerto Rico, this is what I'm living through literally right now. That's why I keep bringing it up. The yeah. protests were like five. Again, people say between around five hundred thousand people were in the capital. Right, where that's yeah. that scene where they 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 covered the highway, incredible. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. a counter protest, supposedly like an event, pro the governor, like wanting to ask him to say. And again, I'm not sure I wasn't there, but apparently 80 people showed up. You know, so it's <laughs> wow. like so like you can you can't say that you have any support when you literally don't have any support, right? Like Trump can fill up uh, stadiums still, and and if there were like two simultaneous protests one in favor of him and one against him right like i wonder i wonder how much how they would fill up like i wonder what would happen i don't know we got spirit yes we do we got spirit how about you (laughs) (laughs) so this has been eventful (laughs) yeah we barely talked about the actual episode (laughs) <laughs> well, that's true, but we, I mean, really what it comes down to is I want to use these episodes as a jumping off point for talking about the way that they impact our lives. That's what, that's what media matters means, right? Yeah. That absolutely. we are taking this media in and using it for our purposes. We're getting something out of it. it it's moving us in a, in a particular direction. And it, it's really powerful to have these representations 
so that we can actually talk about them without necessarily having to get into like that's the purpose of science fiction right is to, mm-hmm. to stretch the to stretch the window enough so that we can actually have some time to talk about what's really going on yeah again like that's that's what I've always tried to do with geek therapy right the idea that we we only through these stories that we really care about that we're really invested in do we see ourselves do we see the world differently mm-hmm. right that we start to understand things better do we start asking questions i just started watching a show on amazon called the boys have you heard okay. of it i've heard of it i haven't not gotten to see it yet so i believe that the show it, it's based on a comic book and i believe mm-hmm. that the show is basically about this group of normal um like un- non-super powered people mm-hmm. who form a group that goes after basically the Avengers of this world, superpowered people, because they basically do whatever they want and they cause a lot of harm. And in the opening scenes, I'm, I'm going to spoil this because it's like, again, who knows when this will be published, but, but also, um, but also, <laughs> well, you're spoiling it for me. <laughs> it, again, this is like opening scenes. It, it, this will, mm-hmm. there's this guy talking to his girlfriend and they're having this, really great conversation and all of a sudden basically the flash of that world runs by and runs through the girlfriend and she is like she explodes like she's she's dead and the guy's left holding her hands now when i saw that scene i i had to stop watching it i stopped watching the show i paused it i had to walk away because yes it's a show about superheroes and blah 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 but that is an example of somebody with a lot of power just doing whatever the fuck they want and people getting literally run over and, 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 and dying, you know? And it bothered me so... Like, I get it. That's what the show is about. That is the catalyst to get these these uh, this group of people to fight against these super-powered um, beings. So in a way, mm-hmm. it is about exactly what we've been talking about this whole episode. Mm-hmm. And But it, I felt it so hard. Like, it was speaking my language. You know, it was so infuriating. I still think, I'm still thinking about it now. And I, I just get, I'm so upset <laughs> about it. And oh, like this, this disregard, you know, and it's, it's what we saw in this episode. That's why this episode, again, in the context of, of, of what I'm living through right now was incredible to watch. But that moment at the end when Garibaldi is given, he just, he just says, okay, I've been giving basically extraordinary powers, Right. Yeah. Which is something that I thought about. Like the like President Trump is has has been given incredible power. Yeah. And he has, in my opinion, right, again, <laughs> I don't know how political we want this show to get. Uh, <laughs> but this is my opinion, right? My yeah. opinion is that every time he's had the opportunity to use these powers that he's been he's been given, he's been there's if there's a good and a bad choice, he's done the bad choice every time. And to see Sinclair make a good choice in my view, again, this is my opinion, this is my Absolutely. beliefs, was, just felt so good. Just felt so, so good. It's like, it felt like, like, oh, this has been missing in my life. I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen this in a long, long time. A person in a position of power who defended the people who were less fortunate, the people who had less power, he took it upon himself to help people. He could have done the opposite. 
In fact, he was encouraged to do the opposite. But he mm-hmm. didn't. He did a good thing. And this has... Like, I'm feeling so many things right now. <laughs> but Like, there's a sadness to it, right? That that's not what... That's not what my world is like anymore you know like i yeah. i miss that and i i want it back <laughs> but it was so wonderful to see it was it wasn't even wish fulfillment because honestly it completely took me by surprise just the title by any means necessary i thought some horrible things were going to happen and yeah. instead we had as happy of an ending as you could possibly have and it was more importantly than like it, it was it was happy and it was hopeful that's where i am with this episode <laughs> that's where yeah. i am in my life right now yeah huh there's a there's a song by toy matinee and one of the lines in that song uh is my heroes have failed to remember my name and that's what we're going through a little bit i think you know the the move for marvel and for dc to both have movies that deal with the collateral damage of superheroes, and now you're talking about the boys, and they're they're, they're dealing yeah. with that also. Yeah, we're we're starting to kind of see that uh, the the people that we looked up to are not as good as we wanted them to be, and we're looking for real heroes. We're looking for real people, somebody who's going to actually express heart and compassion and empathy for the world and do something nice for a change. And so when you see Sinclair do that, it's so it it's cleansing almost because you're like, that's what it should be like. Yeah. I hope it gets that way again in our lifetime. I, I I feel like it might have happened at some point in our life. But it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Just like again, just that feeling of seeing someone like it's just seeing accountability, you know? Seeing like Yeah. Okay, there are consequences to your actions. Like literally in the United States news cycle, we see the complete opposite of that. Right? The highest person yeah. in the the highest position in government has complete disregard for for laws and there seems to be zero accountability for for his actions. That is infuriating. Again, I haven't heard anybody say that about the things in Puerto Rico, but for me, I think that's that's part of it. Yeah, like how long can you see that without something really, really like without a reaction? How long does it take? Yeah. Hmm. Well, so we <laughs> I I'm still dealing with a rift in my social network as a result of this situation. Um, as a result of this administration, there are people that are totally on board with what's going on and they're yeah. happy with it. Yeah. And they're people that I have associated with that I know that are even in my life, even in my family. So, uh, me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> it's it's a lot to deal with, man. It's a lot. It is. Yeah. We need these heroes. We need these stories of heroes, and we need stories just to remind us of the goodness of the heart. Yeah. And we don't get it that much. We get more reflection of what's going on in our lives than we do these kind of good moments, which. Uh, you know, Babylon 5 is not always full of good moments, but this was nice. Yeah. Especially coming out of the episodes that we've come out of. Yeah. I mean, Trump is that hero for a whole bunch of people. I get that. I completely get yeah. that. I get, I, get, I get it up to there. <laughs> Beyond that, I don't get it. <laughs> right. But, um, 
yeah, no, there's a million other things that I'm that I'm thinking and feeling about this episode, but I'm I'm gonna shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the Rush Act, the name of the Rush Act is based on Rush Limbaugh. No way. Yes. So what? Straczynski was talking to someone who was from another country, and they were saying, well, they didn't know who Rush Limbaugh was, and he says, well, he's the greatest proctologist in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made me so happy. Oh, JMS. So there's oh. there's other stuff going on in this episode, but we couldn't get to it today. So we'll have to come back to uh, Jaquan and uh, Jakar and Londo in some future episode. Uh, but we also have a situation where Sinclair was able to do the right thing in that situation also. Yeah. So he walks away us. with medals for me in this episode. Yeah, no, I can Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has it been cathartic? Has it been helpful? Also, it's kind of sad that Rush Limbaugh has been doing harm for 25 years. <laughs> Again, yeah. it's it's a reference that still makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. We we haven't forgotten him yet, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he'll be a footnote in history, if not an asterisk. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. So this has been our most political episode ever. <laughs> um, but actually, I really appreciated it. It's uh, it's been refreshing to get your point of view on things going on in the world and uh, to sort of bring this to light to talk about through the eyes of Babylon Five. Yeah. So we should do this again sometime soon, right? <laughs> we should. I, mean, oh, I want to say one more thing. I should. I should shut up. Yes. But no. When the 2016 election elections happened, yes. The thing that I most wanted to make as a, as a creator mm-hmm. was something along the lines of what we did here, which was to discuss real world events through culture through the through the through the yeah. stories that we care about and be able to see them and ideally to have people with differing views looking at the same events real world events and fictional events and discussing them from their point of views to try to reach some sort of understanding and well there's your next podcast it turned out to i mean <laughs> Who's 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 on the opposite side that would be willing? I, I, I don't know anybody. Challenge. I don't, I don't know, know anybody either. I don't know anybody yeah. that I can tolerate. I I don't I don't know anybody. Period. Who would have been like a big geek willing to do a podcast <laughs> and and play the opposite end of the spectrum? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It was it it's it was impossible in my life to do that. Well, maybe it's like debate class where you kind of need somebody, even though they they sit on this side of the fence, they have to take on an opposing point of view in order to learn how to be aware of the argument on the other side. You know, so, I and I would I would gladly take that on, despite the the uh, the possible psychological harm it would do to me. <laughs> right. to even have to wear that mask but right. i would be willing to do it but it's still like it's it's still it's just 
actually the first time uh, I brought it up to well it was like very very shortly after I was at a at a breakfast um, with a friend and he was with a, a friend of his own a friend of a friend and we sat down and I, I brought up the idea and my friend was like like man that would be amazing if you could make it happen uh, and then the other person who was with him said oh you don't need um, you don't need uh, a conservative I can tell you exactly what they think and I thought, you know what? This is exactly why it can't be. It has to be genuine. It has to be someone who. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this person was like, I would have never done anything with this person, but <laughs> in any sure. way. But but that attitude of like, we don't need to understand each other. I already we we already know what's going on over there, and that's not true. That's not true at all. And no, so that's that's a really challenging point of view because if you're going to believe that, then we've got no middle ground that we can come to whatsoever. Yeah, there's actually a political show here in Puerto Rico. It's the only like local stuff that I that I listen to, and it's it's a it's a radio show where they have one person from each of the um, there's three main political parties in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and they have one representative from each, and okay. they do they talk politics every single day, and it's it's incredible because. Like you get the different perspectives. So here's a challenge that I, I think we have to pose, and that is whether or not there is a, like whether or not there is a representation of what's going on in the world within geek culture in the first place, or does geek culture lend itself to being more on a progressive side of things, more on the left of things? I think popular culture in general does. I mean, that's that yeah. seems to be, um, but I know that that's not. I mean, we're often fed by Hollywood, and Hollywood is a very leftist culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, and and we enjoy that because it kind of reflects our values for the most part. So, but then we talk about geek culture having this bigger footprint in the world now that it ever has before. I'm wondering how many people out there who consider themselves into the geek culture are actually on that side of the spectrum. Yeah, I don't have to measure it, so <laughs> I, I just have to kind of yeah put it speculate. Out yeah. But it, it's a it, it's a good question to ask because I'd be happy to talk to somebody if they were rational and not speaking from an emotional point of view. I'd be happy to talk to somebody who is on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'm 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 fine with emotion. I don't know how much I could keep <laughs> my own emotions in check. To be honest, I think okay. that would be a, okay. Yeah, I think that would be. I don't I don't think I would demand of an of or or expect of someone else something like that uh from from myself. Well there but, have to be rules of engagement is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like like if I again, if I presented, you know, if I compared Darth Vader to, to Trump in a particular situation, like yeah. what would that look like? Like I'm just curious how people who who both love Star Wars would see that situation if they had different differing political views. I still think it would be fascinating. But it would be again. It would be it would be hard work. <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Yeah, I have some ideas actually. But um, well, you know, your tenth podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some ideas of people to approach and and, and okay. you know, kind of. Uh, right. uh, but yeah, <laughs> you know, even even not as a permanent long term podcast, but just as a few episodes of something. Yeah, I, I think is not a bad idea. You know, I'm ready to, I'm willing to experiment. Yeah, so absolutely. I'd, I'd try it out, yeah. All right, I'm shutting all up right. now. <laughs> yeah, we, we both need to shut up now. So thank you all for listening. Thanks for uh, checking out Babylon 5. That is uh, That has been one of my goals is to get people to pay attention to this 
really important science fiction show to me. Um, I got one. <laughs> His name's Josue, and he's coming along, so I hope you're coming along with us. Uh, we'll see you next time on Conspiracy of Light. Thanks so much for listening. Say goodbye, Josue. Goodbye, Josue. <laughs>